Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode number 69 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley, and this week's episode is episode three in a mini-series that I'm doing about parental rights and the rights of families and that sort of thing at work. So for those of you who have tuned into the last two episodes, you'll know that I've been talking about maternity pay and uh, adoption leave and adoption pay and maternity leave and those sorts of things. And this episode, we're just going to round that up and then move on to some other parental and family-friendly rights at work in the new year. So for those of you who are regular listeners, this is the last episode for 2016, but I will be back again in 2017. Um, so it's not that long away now, really. And I will be doing a, a special sort of a summary episode, which will come out on the 9th of January, which will be just a little episode about what to look forward to in 2017, just to ease you back into work. And then from that, I'll be resuming this mini series on as I say, parental and family leave rights. So without further ado, I'll get into this week's content. In this week's episode, I'm just going to round off a few final points about maternity leave, maternity pay and adoption leave and adoption pay. And we talked about obviously those in summary and how you go about it and what you need to do in the previous episodes. The first thing I want to talk to you about is redundancy during uh, maternity or adoption leave. Now, this is something that can come up and which causes people some difficulty in understanding what their obligations are in terms of somebody who is on maternity leave or adoption leave. The most important thing is if you are having a redundancy exercise at work and you've got employees that are off, whether that be for family reasons or for other reasons, and they are going to be involved in some way or their job could be affected in some way, it's really important that you consult with them and include them in the process. Now, often employers are worried about contacting their staff while they're off, particularly on maternity or adoption leave. But hopefully, if you follow my guidance in the very first episode in this mini-series, then you would have had that conversation about contact before they went off. But in any event, if you haven't had that conversation and you've had no contact with them at all since they've been on maternity leave, it's still really important to get in touch, reach out to them and include them in the consultation process. I would recommend to start with that you or a manager or their manager, someone who that they trust and they work with, contacts them to inform them and then start the process formally thereafter. So that's how you deal with the process for somebody who's off. Now, what many people don't realise is that if you've got an employee who's on maternity leave or adoption leave and they are at risk of redundancy and there are suitable alternative vacancies within your organisation, that they have to be offered those first as a priority over any other employees who are at risk of redundancy. So you have a positive obligation to ensure that they are offered the suitable vacancies first over anybody else. Now, often employers find this difficult because if they're making redundancies it's usually fairly serious and there are people who are at work and and if you're offering an alternative job to somebody who's not at work at that time then they are often worry about how they're going to fill that role 
in the meantime while somebody is on maternity leave. So if you're taking a team, for instance, where you've got five employees doing a particular job and you're putting them all at risk of redundancy because you need to reduce to two and the two jobs are the same, but it's just you need fewer people to do the work and then you're giving one of those jobs to an employee who's on maternity leave over anybody else, then you're going to effectively be left with one person until that employee comes back from maternity or adoption leave. But unfortunately, that is the situation. You do have to make that offer. And if the employee accepts, then you'll need to make alternative arrangements for temporary cover in the period until they return in the same way as you would if they were off normally. If there is no suitable alternative, then there's no obligation to to make one or create one for that employee. And you would just go through the normal selection process with them, including everybody else. And making sure, of course, that you have to maybe go over and above what you would normally do for an employee in terms of communication to make sure that they have a little bit extra time to make arrangements if there are meetings, for instance, so that they can make childcare arrangements to attend and maybe communicating with them more frequently by telephone than you would with other employees. So that's what to do with redundancy during maternity or adoption leave. Next up is holiday. And again, this is something that often surprises my employer clients, they're usually um, rather surprised to learn that whilst an employee is on maternity or adoption leave, they continue to accrue their holiday in the same way. So for an employee who is off for a whole year, for instance, they would then have accrued a whole year's worth of leave, which they are entitled to take when they return to work. Now, what I recommend is that you have something in the contracts or in your policies or in your handbook, which deals with what you want to do with holiday for a a person who is on maternity or adoption leave. So they accrue it. So you have the option then of saying, for instance, in their contract, that they then have to take their holiday before they return, or that they have to take a proportion of it before they return to work, or they have to have taken what they've accrued before they go on maternity or adoption leave. So you can include all those sorts of things in the contract. You can also include details if you're obviously allowing the employee to carry over leave from one leave to another where their maternity or adoption leave maybe spans two leave years. You can include something in your policy to say that the leave that they've carried over from a a previous leave year has to be used up within a certain period of time after returning to work so that they then don't end up with a whole stack of leave that they've got to take within a small period of time, for example. My recommendation is that you plan in advance and you include something in your employment contracts or your relevant holiday policy to ensure that you deal with how you want the holiday situation to work for an employee who does take maternity or adoption leave. Next up, unsurprisingly really, employees who take maternity leave or adoption leave have protection from detriment or dismissal because they sought to take or have taken ordinary or additional adoption leave, or ordinary or additional maternity leave. So employees cannot be treated to their detriment because they are going to take it, or they're likely to take it. So no matter how you feel about the fact that somebody is going off on leave, how difficult it is going to be for the business, you can't then treat that person to their detriment. Or make changes, for instance, that are detrimental to them, um, in order that you, you know, if it's a business reason, then you can approach that in a different way, but you need to be very careful about how you're handling it if you're making that change merely because they are taking that leave. And of course, I'm sure 
that anybody listening to this podcast would not do this, but it's not entirely unheard of and there have been cases about it in the past of employers who have taken the opportunity to dismiss employees because of their maternity or pregnancy for instance. There are fewer cases around about adoption leave and adopters because there are fewer people doing it Um, so you don't tend to find that there are cases but there tend to be various cases about people who are on maternity or pregnancy, um, a, a discrimination for example. Um, and who have been treated to their detriment because they've sought to take maternity leave. So you do need to be very careful there. And of course, if you have any worries or concerns about any course of action that you intend to take or any changes, as I say, within the business, then it's definitely recommended that you get advice, particularly where it involves somebody who is pregnant or about to take maternity leave or who is on maternity leave. And then finally, in the last episode, we talked about maternity pay and adoption pay and how that's prescribed as to how it's paid and what you pay and that's all set out in law and because it's a statutory obligation to pay you have to obviously pay it but as an employer you can recover some or even all of the money that you have paid out for maternity pay or adoption pay. You can recover from HMRC it's 92% of the payments that you made unless you are qualifying for small employers relief. And if your organisation qualifies for small employers relief, then you can recover the total, so 100% of the adoption pay or maternity pay. You can recover that back from HMRC and you can also obtain a percentage of statutory maternity or statutory adoption pay, which relates to the national insurance contributions that were payable on that pay. Now, hopefully, if you've got someone helping you with your payroll or an accountant or a bookkeeper dealing with your payroll, they will be able to help you in how you deal with that and how you recover that money. So whilst it might be difficult for you to arrange cover for the work and it might be an inconvenience, at least you know that you can recover some or if not all of the adoption or maternity pay that you're having to pay out. That just wraps up really the topic of uh, maternity and adoption leave and adoption pay and a couple of questions, a couple of things that come up that weren't covered previously. So that's the redundancy, what happens with redundancy, holiday, the protection from dismissal and detriment, and the recovery of the payments from HMRC that you can make. What I'll be covering in future episodes is in relation to looking at shared parental leave, which is a fairly new thing. We'll also be looking at parental leave and any other rights of parents um, in the workplace and family-friendly rights. I will be rounding up the mini-series in 2017, early 2017, with a frequently asked questions or um, particular questions that listeners have about it. So if you do have any particular questions, then do please get in touch. You can contact me. My email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. Alternatively, you can always go online and have a look on the website, which is advicefromemployers.co.uk. Now, before I round up for 2016 and to say a massive thank you to everybody who's listening, I just want to mention that again, as I've mentioned before, in 2017, we are looking to expand the Real Employment Law Advice team. We're particularly looking for people who are experienced in employment law, uh, particularly those based around Hampshire, although we, we would welcome any inquiries from people around the UK who might be looking to work independently 
um, but within a good team. So do get in touch again. You can contact me by email. It's alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. So finally, for this last episode of 2016, I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's been listening. I really appreciate your comments, your emails, and your time that you spend listening to this podcast. I do hope that you find it enjoyable and I hope to bring you much more interesting and informative content in 2017. As I said, this is the last episode going out on the 12th of December for 2016 because I'm having a little bit of a break myself and I'll be back again with an episode just covering what's happening in 2017 and that'll be out on the 9th of January. So have a lovely Christmas and a very happy new year and I look forward to speaking to you in the new year. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.